Welcome to the Exchange Church Podcast. Feel free to join us live on Facebook every Sunday at 10 a.m. at facebook.com slash exchange church. The following message is brought to you by Pastor Jonathan Knight. We are going to be doing, I'm going to be doing a message called Road Rules today. And I, I think it's obvious for the people that are here that this is vacation season. Uh, this is the season that we like to take off and that we like to go do some things, go do uh, like, you know, water parks and theme parks. Uh, Lindsay, can you put me a little bit in the floor monitors? Just because it really sounds like I have a cold and I can't hear anything on stage. There we go. Uh, but today it's vacation season, right? And um, has anybody been able to take a vacation yet? Yeah. Awesome. I have not been able to take a vacation yet. Uh, we did, uh, youth, uh, we did our youth camp, uh, two weeks ago. And then when we got back immediately, when we got back, me and Lindsay got sick. And so we took a whole week of being sick. That is not a vacation. Uh, if you've ever been that sick before, uh, it is not relaxing in any sense. And I slept a whole lot and it felt like I didn't sleep any. Right. Um, so, uh, this week we've been kind of, We've been coming back, firing back, um, getting things ready. Um, and so vacations, vac- vacations are super, super important during this time because, uh, one, uh, if you have kids, they're out of school, uh, and you're g- getting driven crazy because they're in your house all the time and you're like, please leave. Um, and so you have to go out of the house, go have some fun. Um, but vacation is super important. And on vacations, usually we take road trips. Right. Whenever I was in, when I was growing up, my parents always took a, we always took some type of road trip. Um, when I was in elementary school, we used to get the season passes for Six Flags. And that's back when Astral World was still around here in Houston. And we would hit Astral World, Fiesta, Texas, and, uh, Six Flags, um, over Texas, I believe is the name of it in Dallas. And, uh, we would hit that up. We, we do it probably like two, two times each. So we would like do kind of like a triangle motion, driving around, going to the different uh, Six Flags. And we had such a fun time. But as you know, road trips can be kind of difficult, right? Uh, uh, the Pringles know that it can be a little bit difficult. You know, they, they were telling me uh, the other day that they had a great trip there. And then on the way back, it just seemed like everything fell apart right at the end. Uh, but you have to have in, in the road, uh, on the road, you have to have some rules. You have some rules that kind of help you survive the road trip. Um, and in the spirit of summer vacation, we're going to be talking about some road rules. And I have five tips to ensure that you reach your destination safely. Uh, but of course, my real intent is that uh, you are able to take these road rules and apply them to your daily lives. And um, the, while I was working on this, the song that popped up in my head was uh, Life is a Highway, right? Life is a highway, that song. Uh, the guy that wrote it, his name is Tom Cochran, I think is how you say his name. Um, but he says this in the first line uh, of the song. He says, life is like a road that you travel on when there's one day here and the next day gone. And... Uh, you only get to live. So basically what he's saying is you only get to live one day um, at one time. And 
But the, the road of life, the adventure of life is actually way more complicated than a highway uh, because on highways, you can just hop up and get off and all that stuff. But who knows? Life is not like, easy like that. Um, so because uh, we are all born and we come equipped uh, with certain things. And one of the things that we are equipped with the moment that we are, well, probably not the moment that we are born, but as we live our life a little bit, is we get to have rear view mirrors. And uh, we are able to look into our past. We're able to look at what the things that we have gone through, the things that we um, have passed by. We're able to look into our rear view mirrors and see that. But we are never equipped with a reverse. We are not able to put our life back in reverse and replay those things. And um, there's no do-overs. You only get uh, to do your 20s once. You only get to do your 30s once. Uh, and you're like, I'd like to go back and do some of those things over again. They were fun. Uh, or maybe I'd like to go back and not do certain things and avoid certain things. Um, but we can't. We, we can't do that. All we can do is drive somewhere, park for a little bit, drive to the next spot, park for a little bit. We're never able to redo our 30s, to redo our 20s, to redo our first marriage, or to re-raise our kids again. So we all have or have had regrets because uh, we all have review mirrors. We're able to look into those mirrors. And some of us, if we're honest, whether it's our temperament or our personality, we spend way too much time looking in our rearview mirror. We spend way too much time absorbed with where, what we have done, the regrets that we have. Um, and just like in life, it's not safe to drive your car while only looking in the rearview mirror. It's not safe to do that. And unfortunately, a lot of times we get into these modes, we get into these things, um, these t seasons of life where all we're doing is looking in our rearview mirror. All we're doing is letting that absorb into us, our regrets and our things like that. And we're not pushing forward correctly because, or maybe we're just parked and we're not going anywhere. Um, but these are the things that are unhealthy uh, in life. These things, uh, looking back and only living in your regret is unhealthy. Um, this is what we all have in common though. Whether you're a person of faith or not a person of faith, we all want to get the future right. And we want to arrive safely at our destination. And uh, you may be somebody who sets a lot of goals. Some of you uh, may be very detail-oriented, uh, detailed goal setters. Um, but everybody, everybody listening, everybody in the room, everybody online, everybody in this world, if you could stand up, you would all say, okay, here's what I want my future to look like. Here's what I want my future to look like relationally, financially with my kids or whatever it may be. Because we all uh, kind of have a general idea of where we want to end up in the season of life and where we want to end up in life in general. And hopefully these five things will help us get there, right? Will help us uh, stay true to course. And I'm going to go over these pretty quickly. Um, if you came today and you're looking for some deep dive into the Bible, uh, we are not doing that. We just did that for six weeks. Uh, and if you want that, go back and watch those. Today is going to be very practical, uh, very practical things that we can apply in our life. 
uh, today that I am still applying in my life as we go on. Uh, but the number one rule is don't travel alone. Okay, don't travel alone. Uh, we say this all the time that life is better connected because we uh, were made for community, right? Last time I spoke, what did I talk about? I talked about, I talked about providential relationships, that we need relationships. We need community in our life. Um, so you need to travel with friends. Just don't allow yourself to get isolated. And in certain seasons of life, because of the pain and the things that we've gone through, and again, personality or um, like your personal traits, uh, that we fall into the temptation of being isolated. That we fall, you know, one of my personal flaws is that I can do it. That's the phrase that always pops up in my head. I can do it. Um, is something happening? Well, I can do it. You know, did something fall through? Did someone not show up? Well, I can do it. And that's always, that's a problem. It's a good thing in some settings. But it's also a problem because I get overwhelmed. I'll overwhelm myself with things because I'm always saying I can do it. I can do this myself. I can I can make it happen, and uh, that's not good. You know that is an isolating feeling because whenever things start falling apart, I feel that it's my fault. I feel that I am alone. That I'm doing this by myself, and that's exactly uh, the the feeling that we we start falling into. Uh, my wife, she is an introvert, so she would rather be alone most of the time. Uh, in fact, one of the things that I never got while we were dating, I get now, but I never got when we were dating, is that she would go to movies by herself. She would go watch movies by herself. And I was like, why are you doing that? It's so crazy. It's weird. But that was her. She needed that time. She needed that alone time. Um, but something that introverts tend to do is they forget that they also need people around them. They also need people to live life with it. And I want to encourage you to ignore that voice, that isolating voice in your head that says, I don't need anybody because you were created to live in and to operate in community. Uh, you do need some bodies around you. Uh, you were created for that. But who, uh, who we do life with oftentimes determines how our lives go. The trick in life when it comes to who we do life with is powerful, powerful draw, right? Um, but don't simply, I'm sorry, um, the, the, the trick in life when it comes to who we do life with is don't simply gravitate towards acceptance. And we're going to talk about acceptance real quick. I want you all to stick with me until the end of this point. because It's going to sound kind of confusing, right? Because we all want to be accepted. We all want acceptance. We teach here in the exchange that we accept you, that we want you, that we uh, accept you. And, and I want y'all to stick with me because it's going to seem like I'm talking different uh, for a little bit, but you'll understand why here in a little bit. Acceptance is a powerful, powerful draw. Uh, but don't simply gravitate towards acceptance because that can be a trap. Acceptance is magnetic. And where this is most important is in the transitions of life. You're leaving high school, going to college. You're leaving college, going to grad school. You're leaving grad school uh, to start your first job. Um, you're leaving the city to go uh, to another city. You've, got, uh, you've gotten out of a relationship. You're looking for a new relationship. You've gone through a divorce. You kind of hit pause for a couple of years, and now you're open to starting, uh, start dating again. 
In every single transition in life, especially relationally, we are prone to gravitate towards acceptance. Um, meaning that is, uh, that is the person or people that accept us first, right? So we go into a new city. We don't know anybody. We go to a church. We meet some people. We, we uh, maybe uh, greet some people. That the first people that come up and say hi to us, we go out to eat with them, whatever it is. Uh, we start connecting. And oftentimes, without giving much thought to it, uh, we become the, uh, I'm sorry, those people become the people that we spend a season of life with. And again, if you're raising teenagers, you know that acceptance can be a bad thing sometimes, that the first people that accept them or that they think accept them are bad influences or that they accept them like, um, one of the one of the biggest one one of the most common things I hear from gangs, uh, from gang members or past gang members, is that they are a part of the gang because they accepted me at this point in life. That they were the ones that were there for me when no one else was. And acceptance sometimes in that case can be a bad thing. That they were the first ones that came up and accepted me. So now they are my people. Now. They are, no matter what influences they're putting on my life, they are the ones. And again, if you change schools or you went to a new job and you walk in and that first day, you don't know anyone, you come to a new city, you don't know anyone, um, isn't it true that the first group of people who reach out to you and extend some sort of invitation to do something, it feels good because you don't know anyone else. And so these people are, are, are what's making you feel good. And before you know it, you're doing life with people who may not be anything like you, who normally wouldn't, you wouldn't normally necessarily like, but because they accepted you, I mean, we are all acceptance uh, magnets and we all just flow towards acceptance. So when it comes to who you do life with, don't simply give into a magnetic draw of a person and the first group of people who show up and extend an invitation, even though they're probably uh, great people and sincere and they, uh, and they could possibly be, but because the people who get on the inside of your lives, our lives often determine the direction and the quality of our life. So we need to protect that and we need to see what those people's values are because what we need to look past is not just acceptance, but we need to look and see what their values are. Are their values the same values as my values? Are, 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 um, where is where I'm going the same place that they are or they've been or, or whatever it is. Don't simply be content to do life with people who share your taste. But uh, oftentimes the connecting point is taste. We like the same music. We like the same restaurants. We're in the same generation from the same part of the country where we share a certain taste. Uh, but look for people instead um, that share your values. You know, uh, what a value is. A value is what you have predetermined is most important to you. There are things that are most important to you uh, when you can find people that you share your values with, that they have the same values that you have, even though they may not eat the same restaurants, may not go to the same concerts. The life that you live with them builds the synergy of, va of values that will ensure that at the end of the season of life, that you will still be prioritizing around the things you have decided are most important to you. 
because it's more most important to the people that you have with you. Um, you'll get what uh, you'll get what you want most out of life. Who we do life with, who we travel with, often determines the direction and the quality of our lives. Or to put it within this context, our friends determine the direction and the quality of the trip. This is something that I've taught to youth groups again and again and again. Your friends determine where you're going, right? The friends that you surround yourself is going to, you know, if all your friends are uh, lazy, they don't do schoolwork, they cut off their homework, guess what? You're going to end up being doing that. That's what I always talk to uh, youth about. What I'm saying is this. When it comes to that inner circle of people who you're traveling with through life, surround yourself with people that embrace your values. Now, I'm not talking about not being friendly with people. I'm not talking about not inviting people that may not have your same values and still bringing them into your life. What I'm talking about is that inner circle, that circle that you glean from, that you learn from, that you uh, bounce ideas off of, that you uh, give advice to. Make sure that those people that are pouring into you and you are pouring into them all have your values. Uh, the author of Proverbs said this, uh, said it in, in this way. Uh, in this verse, it should be a staple verse for every child in middle school or high school student. Um, the author, author of Proverbs says this, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise. What he's saying is, that if you are constantly surrounded by wise people, if you are uh, amongst people who live their life in a, in a wise manner, that you will naturally begin to make choices. You will naturally begin to think wise thoughts and make those de wise decisions yourself because you're just around them. You're just absorbing what you're learning from them. You're watching them do life. Um, that happens to... Uh, what, and the thing is, is that wise people realize that life is always connected, that what happens today impacts tomorrow, that what happened yesterday is going to show up in my life today, um, that life is connected. And so the author of Proverbs, he is saying, when we do life with, with uh, people, when we walk in life with people, when we do life with people who are wise who understand that life is connected, that I've got to be disciplined in this season of life because of what I want in the next season of life, you become wise. You begin to learn those things. But then there's a contrast because um, in Proverbs, they, it really likes to contrast. It says, um, you, know, uh, you know, the sun is shining, but yet uh, the sun sets over here. It, it, there's always contrast in what uh, the Proverbs is talking about. And uh, that's why I love, that's why um, I love the way that Proverbs is written because we get a lot of our uh, do's and don'ts and sins and what is not sin. We actually glean a lot from Proverbs and Proverbs never says, if you do this, you're going to hell. Never says that. What it says is it gives us uh, a contrast. It says, if you do this, you, if you surround yourself with wise people, you will become wise. But then it gives us the second contrast and it says, but the companion of fools, right? But the companion of fools is, it goes on and it says, um, the companion of fools will suffer harm. And that's in Proverbs 13, 20. 
So the companion to the fools, and that that's interesting that he says that because um, we, what is a fool necessarily? Is it someone who is bad with money? Can be. Um, is it someone who um, is, uh, you know, an alcoholic? Could be. Is it someone who uh, is rich and successful? Could be. Um, the what he's what he's getting at is that the companion of fools don't necessarily become fools, but they can be harmed. And the definition of a fool is someone who doesn't who disconnects today from tomorrow. Is someone who says what I do now is not going to affect what I do later on. So I'll just wait for later on. I'll wait for tomorrow to deal with this. I'm going to live my life now, however it happens. And they disconnect from uh, one season to the next. And they don't realize that everything is connected, that what you do today is going to affect what you do tomorrow. And in this season of life, what you choose today is going to dictate, one, the next season of your life. Where are you going in life? And how is it going to affect the rest of your life? And so what, what he points out is he says, he doesn't say, uh, the companion of fools, well, they become foolish. No, it says the companion of fools will suffer harm. They will find out that all of a sudden these, these people's choices aren't just affecting them. They're affecting me and they're affecting my choices. And, and maybe their choice came in and ruined something in my life because I was connected to them because they, I re, I didn't realize that everything is connected. Um, Travel, travel with people who are taking care of themselves, because if they're taking care of themselves, they will help you take care of yourself. You will help them take care of themselves as well. And it will be a harmony, a synergy of values. So don't travel alone. The second thing that we're going to talk about is don't pick up strangers, right? When you get into Huntsville, what is some of the signs that you see in Huntsville, right? Do not pick up hitchhikers. Why? Because there's a prison in Huntsville, like literally right off the highway. So if you're going to see a hitchhiker, most likely it's a prisoner running away. That's what they are assuming with those signs. Um, but don't pick up strangers. And once again, this is another point that I need y'all to stick with me on, right? Uh, because in church, we teach you love everybody, accept everybody, bring people in, love on them, and care for them. And that's not necessarily what we're talking about today. A stranger is someone who is strange, right? That is maybe stranger than we are, right? Because we're all pretty strange. I know I'm strange uh, at times. Some people probably look at me and like, dude, that guy is weird. And that's okay. That's fine. Um, because there's somebody weirder than me. No. Um, but uh, what I'm talking about is um, people... Uh, here, let me go back to my notes. I'm getting off my notes. So what I'm not saying is I'm not saying don't meet people and don't be friendly. Always be kind. That's a fruit of the spirit. So always be kind, Always, but always be careful. Careful of who you allow in your vehicle. Uh, careful about who you allow in your inner circle of life, who you give time to, who you um, allow to pour into your life. Uh, we are kind to everybody. We are patient with everybody. We are compassionate and generous with everybody. Uh, but be careful who you allow in your inner circle because it goes back to rule number one. 
He who walks with the wise will be wise, but the companion of fools uh, hope you may never be a fool, but if you're too close to the people, you aren't uh, living life according to your values. When something happens to them, it may happen to you as well. So I want to just kind of ask this question as we move on. Do you have any strangers in your life? Do you have any strangers you've allowed into your inner circle? And let me uh, tease this uh, that out a little bit. Is there anyone you're doing life with, if you're really honest, that they make you less healthy? They cause you to doubt yourself. They seem to always be slowly and maybe subtly chipping away at your values, right? Do we have anybody, uh, anybody like that? I know that I have some people in my life that are like that. And um, so we have to regain uh, the values that we have. They're kind of, dis- they may be kind of dismissive to your values. And at times you're almost intimidated to be yourself because of how they're going to respond. In fact, uh, over time, you have found yourself becoming a different person when you're around that person. That is a stranger. Don't be afraid to drop them off. Don't be afraid to pull over and say, I can't have you in the car. We can text, we can write, whatever. You just can't stay in the car. I got to drop you off. Um, God still loves them, but you can't handle them. Um, maybe someday you will be able to handle that person. Um, but if your life is being bent and moved and drawn into a direction that creates tension on the inside, deems your confidence, or you find yourself doing things you never intended to do, you find yourself drifting from your values, you find yourself being dishonest with another group of people, because again, suddenly you find yourself, there's just too much duplicity in your life kind of living two different lives. And that's a sign that you have a stranger. That's a sign that you have that. And uh, you need to drop them off. I'm sorry that I'm really monotone today. It's because my voice isn't super strong. And even though I'm trying to like give inflection, it's just sounding the exact same uh, amount of volume. Um, But in your life, you're going to have these moments. And I started, so I get onto video rabbit trails all the time. And usually it's from Facebook because Facebook has gotten their video side a lot better than it was a long time ago. Um, and so now I'll hop up on there and I'll watch a video and then it'll take me to another video. And then if I accidentally watch one video, I start getting all of those videos. And uh, one of the things I accidentally watched was a show, a clip from a show called The Challenge. Does anybody know what the challenge is? Okay, I'll explain it to you really quick. There is uh, it is a contest show that takes the champions from other contest shows like Big Brother, um, uh, Beastmaster, and things like that. And they put them all inside a house together and they do challenges to see. It's kind of like Survivor and there's Survivor winners and all that stuff on there. Um, but they do challenges to try to eliminate each other um, and all this stuff. Well, of course, with reality television, you always have drama, right? That's what it is. You get these big personalities into the same room and they start yelling at each other. And when I was working on this, um, I was watching those videos and I was like, gosh, there's so many strangers in that house. Like if I was in the house, I wouldn't talk to anybody because I wouldn't be able to trust anybody. I wouldn't be able to 
you know, talk to them. They're probably scheming some way to kick me out. You know what I mean? And I probably end up getting kicked out just because I wouldn't be talking to anybody. I'd just be like, no, I'm just here to win the challenges. That's it. You know? Um, but there's so many toxic people. And then there's another, um, while I was watching that, another video came up for the Jersey shore, right? And the Jersey shore, what is that? That's just terrible influences in their house, like giving each other advice, but it's terrible advice. And it's like, why? No, don't listen to those people, you know? And I realized that if I was in that house, I would just be in a house full of strangers. I'd be in the house full of people that don't have my own values, that don't see eye to eye with me on, on my life values. Now, I may be friendly with them. I may be able to hang out with them. I may be able to give them advice. I may be able to talk life into them. But at the end of the day, these are not people that I want pouring into my life all the time. And, uh, but for the sake of that other person who needs someone else in their life to perhaps bring them back to a sense of balance in terms of life in general, or perhaps faith for their sake, uh, you might need to drop those people off. You may need to set boundaries in your life to where maybe you're not spending as much time with them. Now I'm not saying just ghost them and kick them out and burn a bridge and, and hate on them. But what I'm saying is love them at a, a little bit more of a distance so that you don't lose your values you know, and, uh, it's super quiet in here. It's okay. Uh, that, that topic is a little bit touchy. Uh, I get it. Uh, but we'll go on to rule number three. Okay. And rule number three, when you're traveling, uh, you choose a destination. You don't just travel. And that third option is destination, uh, choose a destination and borrow a map. And this is a two-part thing. This is our biggest point. So stick with me on it. Um, but choose a destination and borrow a map. Here's what I mean by choosing destination. Everybody ends up somewhere in life. I mean, goals, no goals, destination in mind or no destination in mind. Um, you're always going to end up somewhere. Um, time just goes by. And if you've got uh, the health to endure your 30s, your 40s, your 50s, your 60s, 70s, 80s, maybe you even make it to 100 um, and beyond. I mean, there's one lady that I saw that made it to 112 last year. That's crazy. That's insane. And uh, I think she was still doing things that like young people do. I don't know. Uh, that'd be amazing, right? Well, maybe not. I kind of don't hope that I, wish I live to 112. Uh, just because I know that my bones will probably be a lot brittle by then. And I'll just be like Mr. Glass um, movie reference. Anyway, uh, everybody ends up somewhere in life. And the win to life, uh, humanly speaking, and the win in terms of being a Jesus follower is to end up somewhere on purpose. Right? If I, at the end of the day, I did everything on purpose the way that I wanted to. That's going to be a win, right? That's going to be a winning life. And just as in a long trip, there are multiple legs. The first day we went here, the second day we went there, third day we went here, uh, you know, then we stayed two days here, four days there. Um, there's multiple legs. And just as there's multiple legs on a road trip, there are multiple seasons in our life. And it is so important in each season of life to determine your destination in that season. Now, you've all already done this. We've already done this. 
you've gotten out of elementary school. Your parents said your destination is where? Middle school. And then you get out of middle school. Where is it? Then you know exactly in the fall, I'm going to be starting high school. I'm going to be at, uh, in ninth grade. So this whole idea of setting a destination for each season we uh, is not new. And we grow up with some sort of paradigm or template that teaches us that. Um, then once you get out of high school, you actually end up, uh, a lot of us end up having a choice. Do I want to go to college or do I want to not go to college? Or is my choice, period, I can't go to college, I can't afford it. Or parents are saying, no, absolutely, you have to go to college, right? There are these moments that we have this blueprint. But uh, once we get out of out in the work world, in the job world, it's easy to lose sight of the fact that there are still seasons of life. There's single seasons and there's marriage seasons and there's first marriage and there's a gap and then there's a second marriage and there's kids and there's grandkids and there's all these seasons. And each season of life, you need to choose some vague or general or maybe a specific sense of a destination. It's important to choose that in each season of life. Determine uh, essentially uh, this. Determine what you want your life to look like in each season. Here's why. Again, this is super, super important. Obviously, you don't want to drift. Nobody wants to drift. And if you don't decide, um, if you don't choose what you want this season to look like or what you want to look like in the end of the season, if you don't choose circumstances, people, and life in general will end up choosing for you. Um, if you don't have a destination, if you do not have a focus of where you're headed, other factors will determine where you're headed. Um, another day, and another day, maybe you keep living your life and then you kind of sit back and you look in the rearview mirror and you realize, man, where did all this time go? What, how did I get to this area? Uh, oh, but there's no reverse. There's no way that you can get back to the spot that branched you off of the main road. Um, so why wouldn't we just decide because again, life is connected that this season leads to the next. And so I need to have a destination. I need to have a focus. If I don't set the correct destination for the season, I won't be prepared for the next one. This is what wisdom dictates that I am thinking about the season, not simply in light of what's right ahead of me, right in front of me, but ultimately what's ahead of me because one season leads to the other and each season builds onto the other. And you know this, wishing won't get you there, right? Wishing never gets us there. Someday I want to meet someone. Someday I'd like to be happily married. Someday I'd like to have kids. Uh, someday I'd like to be successfully uh, uh, successful financially. Uh, someday I want to go to graduate school. Someday, someday, someday. That's a wish. That's not a plan. It goes back to what I call the principle of the path. Direction, not intention, determines our destination. This is true when you're driving. This is true when you're living. It's the, dire it's the direction, not the intention, that determines your destination. You can drive north with the intention to go into Galveston. But will you ever get to Galveston if you're driving north? No, 
you're going to end up in Canada before you find Galveston, right? Uh, because it's not north, it's south. And so knowing your direction, knowing how to head in the right direction is super important in order to reach there, uh, it, reach your destination. So in every season of life, in every season, um, we need to choose what the direction is, not for our entire lives, but for this season, because the seasons are connected. And if we're not prepared for the next season in this season, in this season, then when we get to the next season, I know I said season a lot, that sense, uh, we're not going to be prepared for it. Uh, you only get to do your 20s once. You only get to do your 30s once. You only get to do your 40s once. We only get to do marriage, the first marriage, one time, right? You may be able to have a second crack at marriage, but that first marriage, you're never going to get back because you only get one time. You only get um, one chance to raise your son or your daughter. And again, you're better prepared for the second or the third child, but that first one, right? You don't get do-overs. We only get to do this one time. Again, we have rearview mirrors, but no reverse. And I was signing a, a contract uh, a few months ago. And I took a picture of a little plaque that said this, discipline, not desire, determines our destiny. Discipline, not desire, determines our destiny. And do you know what discipline is? Discipline is in this season, I want to make sure I'm disciplined enough um, to prepare myself for the next season because life is a highway and there's, and there's another destination and there's another uh, turn coming up on this road. So I'm going to decide now that when we get to the end of this season, I won't have to look back. Instead, I will constantly look forward. I'll be ready to look forward in, into the next one. Sometimes in a season of life, because of what we want to accomplish and because of what uh, most important in that season, uh, you just have to prioritize and say, you know what? This is not a bad thing. This is not a thing. Uh, this is, but this is not a thing for now. And then when we get through this season, I can say yes. No for now, but not forever. Those are the kinds of decisions that you make once you've decided what is most crucial in the season of your life. You know, when you go to school, uh, you had to do that, right? You had to go into elementary school. You had to go into middle school. You had to go into high school. And when you're starting a new job, you've got to do that as well. You've got to go into it saying, okay, I'm going to be, I'm not going to be able to sleep in anymore. I'm going to have to get up and go into work. I'm going to have to get up and go do these things. And that, Partying late at night on a Tuesday night is not good for me because on Wednesday, I'm going to have to wake up and I'm going to have to do work. And so no for now, but that doesn't mean no on Friday night. That doesn't mean no on next month or after I'm done with this job, right? Uh, when you're raising your kids, no for now, but not forever because of the destination I have determined for myself in this season of life. Uh, the discipline that I'm going to live my life by by prepping for the next season. Uh, the second part of this is borrow a map, right? And here's what I mean by that. Somebody has already been to where you're hoping to arrive. Someone has already been there. I mean, somebody has uh, already gone through some of the struggles. They have already seen some of the things that are coming up and uh, maybe they did it poorly. Maybe they didn't make it very good. Maybe their kids are little hellions 
but they're going to tell you, listen, I made some mistakes. I made some mistakes as they were growing up. And here's the thing. This, it, this is kind of insulting, uh, but when you transition into a new season of life, you don't know what you're doing. How could you? You've never done it before, right? Uh, I mean, the ultimate example of this is a story that uh, Jared and Shelley uh, told me. Jared told me this because uh, announcement, me and Lindsay are pregnant and it's our first kid and we don't know what we're doing at all. And um, I have seen people, I've seen enough people raise kids to know a little bit, uh, but I don't know uh, anything uh, other than that. Uh, I helped raise my nieces um, when they were babies. We all lived in the same house. So I got to see that, but diaper duty was not my duty. Okay. It was their duty <laughs> and it was duty. Um, but there's a lot of things that came with parenting that I purposely avoided because I was not the parent. I was not uh, the person in charge. I'm an awesome uncle. I have no idea really how well I'm going to be as a father. I know that I'm an awesome uncle, right? Uh, because I can give them candy and then I can pass them off to the parents. That's what I do. Um, now I'm going to be like, don't give them candy, right? <laughs> you know, give them melatonin or something like that. Um, but I'm, I don't know. I've never experienced it. So, uh, Jared told me the story, uh, and, uh, it was the first time that, uh, uh, so Jared's first child, Jenica was adopted, uh, from Haiti and they got her as a little baby. Um, probably, I don't know how old, uh, she was, she was two years old already. So she was two years old already. And, um, they had to go through a completely different thing than normal. Uh, when they first got her, she had worms. And so they had to deworm her. And that was a whole another thing on their side. But their, him raising Jenica was different than when they had Peyton. And because Jared had never had a newborn before, he had a two-year-old. And um, so they go to the hospital. They stayed there for a couple of nights in the hospital. And the nurse comes to them and says, <laughs> and in his words, uh, he says some awful things, right? Here's what she said. She said, and she smiled at him and, uh, he said it was, it was terrible. He said this, she said this, Mr. Brooks, if you will pull the car around to the front entrance of the hospital, I'll bring Mrs. Brooks, uh, down in Peyton and you can go home. And in his mind, the first thing that came up to his head, he was like, by ourselves, you know, like you giving me this baby to take home by ourselves. Like you're not coming with me. Uh, you don't even know. He was like, I don't even know how to hook up the car seat in the car to put the baby inside the car seat. So how on earth am I going to, he was like, can, can you just mail it to us? Like, can we get it in the mail? Can we go down there? And he said, uh, he, you know, he was asking, uh, you know, can one of the nurses come home with us for like, three weeks, you know, and teach us what to do. And, uh, uh, do, I don't know if any of y'all remember that having the first child and not knowing what to do, but, uh, he didn't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I'm going to be doing the exact same thing. Actually, I'm probably going to look up how to, uh, hook up the car seat before, right before, uh, it happens. And, uh, well, in other seasons of life, we just think we know what we're doing. Uh, but how could we possibly know? How could I possibly know 
what it's going to be like taking a newborn home. How am I possibly going to know those things? I'm not because I've never experienced them before. So the wisest thing for me to do is to find somebody and borrow their map is to find somebody that's gone through this. I'm finding books uh, right now. I haven't told Lindsay this. I am making a list of books on how to raise kids. Right. Uh, You know why? Because uh, we don't know what we're doing, but somebody somewhere has written a map and uh, somebody has investigated this. And this is what I'm talking about. You need to find somebody's map of the season that you're in. The other way to do this, you know, some people who've kind of gone down the road that you have been, they've sort of accomplished what you hope to accomplish either professionally or academically, or maybe marriage and family. And here's my suggestion. You get their email address, you email them, and but you don't say, will you mentor me, right? You don't say those things. You don't, you don't ever ask for them to be your mentor. Uh, you ask these three questions uh, if you can, or you send them three questions of whatever your season is. Uh, you know, uh, you say like, you know, uh, what my wife and I, or hey, I've just gotten to this new job, or I've got, I moved into this new city, whatever the questions may be. But here's the three questions Would you meet me for coffee, or I'll buy you dinner if you'll just answer these three questions? And essentially, what you're saying is, I want your map, right? I want to know what you experience. Um, but don't say, I want your map. Don't say, I want you to mentor me. I want your knowledge passed on to me. You don't say those things because what's going to happen? They're going to go, stranger, right? This person's a little weird. There's a little weirder than me. Mentor, what are you talking about? Mentor, I don't even know. I, I don't know anything, right? We already covered that, okay? So they'll uh, think that you're strange. So this is your way of saying, tell me what you know, right? Is by asking a couple questions and saying, let me take you out to coffee. We could take you out to dinner, just pick your brain a little bit. Um, but the reason why it may come off as a little strange is that we don't know how much we know until somebody asks. We don't know how much. You know, I, there's several things in life that I, you know, um, video stuff, for example. I know a lot more video uh, type production and things like that than I realized that I know. Um, the reason why is because a lot of things in that world is assumed that, you know, it's assumed that once you learn it from then on out, nothing changes. So, uh, years down the road, someone may reference something to you. And because it's assumed that we both know these things, you keep, you keep going on. But when you're first in it, you don't know what an Apple box is, right? What an Apple box is, is just a box that originally kept apples and they would use it to prop up things. They would use it in cinema to, for people to stand on or for props to be put on, uh, for cameras to be put on. And they actually make these things called Apple boxes that aren't hollow, but they're solid all the way around. Something else about Apple boxes that you may not know is that each side of the Apple box, whether it's standing up straight, cause it's like a, it's basically kind of like this laptop, right? So it's rectangle. Um, this way is called something. This way is called something. And then if I was to lay it down flat, that's called something. 
And, and so if, if someone asked me, hey, give me an Apple box in New York. Okay. I know what they're talking about. Would you know how to set up that Apple box though? No, but I, you know, these things that maybe you, you don't know that you know, and uh, you don't know until someone asks you. And that's the same thing with people who you are wanting to learn from. They don't know what they know until you ask them. And uh, I have walked into homes with people who just started asking questions and walking out, uh, walking out thinking, uh, whoa, we know a lot. You know a lot. We just, uh, you just don't know what you know until somebody asks you uh, those questions. So one of the best things you can do is you can reach ahead, uh, ahead in the generation before you and say, hey, show me your map. You might be familiar with what's uh, called the Vernon Law, right? You may not have heard of it, uh, but you may have heard it before. And the Vernon Law is this. Experience is a hard teacher because it gives the, the test first and the lesson afterwards. And I'm going to say that again because I messed it up. Experience is a hard teacher because it gives the test first and the lesson afterwards. And experience is a hard teacher. And, and I have failed a lot of tests and I have made a lot of mistakes in my life. And I've learned a lot of lessons in my life. And um, this, this principle, this Vernon Law is so uh, poignant to us because the only way to avoid this is to get ahead of it and to ask the people who have learned the lesson, who have already taken the test, whether they failed or they passed, they already took the test and they learned the lesson. And so it's important for us to get ahead and into and invite information from authors, from people in your life in the season. So when the test comes, you will already have had that lesson. Acknowledging what you don't know and inviting somebody into that space where you just aren't exactly sure, that's not weakness. Asking for help isn't weakness. It's maturity. It's a sign of wisdom. Again, the author of Proverbs puts it this way. Listen, listen to counsel and accept discipline that you may be wise for the rest of your days, or you may be wise the rest of your days. You know what this means. It means accept the fact that you are wrong. Accept the fact that you are ignorant. I always say this all the time to people. Ignorance is not bad. The staying ignorant is. If if you are just ignorant on some things, it's okay. You don't know what you don't know. But if you choose ignorance and you choose to not listen to things, if you choose to deny evidence or whatever it is, that is when ignorance becomes wrong. That's when it becomes a bad thing. Um, Nobody wants to end up in a bad spot. Uh, Is my goal in life just to never learn anything new? No. Listen to counsel, accept discipline that you may be wise and listen to this uh, proverbial promise. You'll be wise the rest of your days. Here's what that means. You'll be wise in this season and prepare in such a way that you're ready for the next season. You'll be wise for the rest of your days. Because if the pattern and and habit of your life is to be open to counsel and the wisdom of others, then people who aren't as smart as you even people who aren't as accomplished as you, even people who aren't as successful as you, and even people who aren't as educated as you, 
can still speak wisdom into your life, can still teach you lessons. Because I just covered it all, right? All the reasons why I can't, you may say, I can't listen to her because of this. I can't listen to her because they have never accomplished this. Well, wait. He says, just listen to counsel and you'll be wise for the rest of your days. So choose the destination in this leg of the journey or in the season and borrow a map. Uh, maybe you have to borrow several different pieces of a map because maybe they, you know, these people have, they were great with their kids. They, their, their kids grew up and they're angels and they're awesome, um, but they weren't great at their career. They weren't great at, at where they were in life. So take, let's take pieces of their map and put it into your map um, and learn from all over. Um, the last thing, um, here, I'll say this and then I'll move on. So choose the destination in this leg of the journey or in this season and borrow a map and perhaps you'll get where you're going faster and with less regret. Number four, pay attention to the signs. Okay. Road signs are there for our protection, right? The same sign that said, do not pick up hitchhikers, right? Was that because they don't want anybody ever getting picked up for a free ride? No, it's because they want to keep you safe. If, if that person is a serial killer and you picked them up and they're like, hey, awesome. I just want to get out of here really quick. Drive down the road and all of a sudden, right? Horror movie. I can't remember what. I think there was a movie called Hitchhiker. That was like a horror movie. I'm not endorsing people watch it, but it was about a hitchhiker that like killed people. Anyway, uh, get into the cars, right? Those signs in Huntsville are to protect us. Um, those are for what other people need to do. I don't need to slow down at the curve. I'm a good driver, right? What happens? You take that turn a little bit fast. It's wet road. You're going to slide off. You're going to hydroplane off of there. Yellow light. What does that mean? means speed up, right? No, it doesn't mean speed up. It means, hey, we're about to go to a red light, right? So I can get through. Uh, so then when we see other drivers ignore the signs, what do we think? What an idiot, right? Uh, there's a sign, uh, and this is a pet peeve of mine, but I have been caught doing this before, uh, where a Tascacita Road meets 1960. I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but that light has a sign on it. That says no right on red, right? Means you can't turn right on red. Why? Because there's a, a double right lanes, right? And so this person on on the inside right lane, if they tried to do that, they're going across all of the lanes to cut over. They don't just have their lane to stay in. And so therefore, both lanes are not supposed to go right on red. But how many times do you see people going right on red there? Right? I personally have sat there and been late somewhere and taken a right on red. It's a pet peeve of mine. I, Lindsay always, when we're driving and I see someone that I, I go, there's no right on red, man. You're not supposed to go. But for me, sometimes I ignore that, you know? And so th this is what happens to us, right? You, you see someone else do it and you think, oh man, what an idiot. Or how many times have you, th have you, You've sped places. I know you have. You don't have to look me in the eye, okay? I know that y'all have sped places before, but how many of y'all have been driving and somebody blasts past you and you go, where's the cops? Where's the cops, right? How many times? But when you're blasting, you're like, please, no cops. 
Please don't cost me around. You know, that is what happens. Sometimes it's hard to see the idiot in the mirror. Sometimes it's hard to see that. And the same is true in life for all of us. The author of Proverbs, the prudent, the wise, the people who know what life's that life's connected, the prudent see the danger and they respond. The prudent see danger and they take refuge. Um, the prudent see the signs and they respond to the signs. Wise people pay attention to the signs and the signs of what's going on uh, with their friends and paying attention to what I see going on with my kids, paying attention to uh, some stuff I see going on in my marriage. Wise people pay attention and they read the signs and they obey the signs and they adjust to the signs. And for, uh, and you know what? I'm, I'm paying attention to what I see going on financially. We're not in trouble yet, but you know what? I need to slow down in that curve. So something I've told Lindsay before is, hey, we have rent. Don't worry about moving money over. I have money coming, right? I have money coming in that is going to take over. I mean, 2019 was one of the hardest years on our marriage because I went from making $70,000 a year to making no thousand dollars a year, no dollars a year period, uh, in a matter of two weeks, uh, cause I got let go from a job and talk about a, a season of struggle. That's what happened. And we were making, we were having to do odd jobs and stuff. Um, I think I was working maybe four or five different odd jobs a month to get that month paid for. So we were paying bills like we were getting money and it was just going straight out the bills for a year. We did that. And, um, it was not fun. It was not great. But at sometimes I had to tell Lindsay, listen, don't pay attention to the bank account. Pay attention to me. This stuff is coming in. This stuff is going to happen. We are going to, uh, uh, adjust to it as it comes, um, that we need to slow down in this curve. We need to not be overwhelmed in this curve. But we need to know that these things are going to be taken care of. I see what's going on professionally. I'm not going to just live in la-la land and pretend everything is fine. I'm going to pay attention to the signs. It's always tempting to ignore signs. It is uh, most tempting to ignore signs relationally. But relationships are like a combustible engine. Nothing improves with neglect. Nothing is going to get better if you never change the oil, it's not going to all of a sudden run at a higher RPM. It's not all of a sudden going to have more horsepower because you hadn't changed your oil in two years, right? No, it's going to, the performance of it is going to go down. But one of the reasons we ignore the signs in our relationships, honestly, is we don't know what to do. I can fix my router. I can fix a lot of things electronically. I can fix things. But when it comes to relationship, it's like, I don't know what to do. So I'm just going to go reboot my internet because I know how to do that. I'm just going to go do this because I know how to do that. I don't know how to deal with a pregnant Lindsay. I do know how to deal with a pregnant Lindsay. Throw food at her. That's what I do. Um, <laughs> uh, you think that's a joke. I actually do throw a lot of food at her. Um, <laughs> um, so anyway, we, uh, so there are things relationally that we end up ignoring just because we don't know how to handle it. 
We don't know how. And this comes, parents, this is some things that happen when your kids become teenagers. They're going to go through things that you do not know how to handle. And it's good to have other voices who have seen this before, who have gone through it before, whether they did the wrong thing or they did the right thing to know, to glean from that. I, uh, right now, I really hope none of my family watches this uh, sermon, but I am dealing some, with some stuff right now with my oldest niece that my brother should have seen some signs on. And so now I'm having to step in and I'm having to correct some things. I'm having to help kind of lead some things that I have no business leading, that I have no business to be a part of. Um, and uh, that is something because signs were ignored, because signs, because uh, at moments in time, um, people did not know how to handle it. And so they handled it wrong. And instead of adjusting and fixing what they handled wrong, they committed. And, and it's just been a, a snowball. And so on the things that we don't know about, we need to ask help. Uh, we are tempted to ignore the signs, but nothing improves with neglect, especially relationships. So again, you may hate me for this, but if more than one person, if more than one person has brought something to your attention, that you need to think about or work on, that's a sign, right? If, if uh, one of my biggest things that I always constantly have to work on, and it's a personality thing, and I hate it, but I interrupt people all the time. And I think it's kind of, I think I may be partially ADD uh, because it's like my brain fires something and I want to say it right then. And I cut off people so many times in conversations. And I know when I do it, and I do it, and then I go, dang it. You did it again, but I forget sometimes before I do it. And um, these are things that I am constantly, constantly working on that, um, that, it, that people have brought to my attention before. And it's something that I'm, I'm constantly trying to be aware of. There's one uh, conversation that I had the other day that um, they said something at the beginning of what they were talking about that my brain was like, Hey, say this. And I was like, no, you're not going to interrupt. And so I like sat there for the whole talk and I was like, I need to say this thing. <laughs> and so I don't even, remember, I don't even know if I paid attention to their whole thing because I was just like, don't interrupt them. Do not stop them from what they're saying. And, uh, that's just the way that I am. And it's, I, it's me paying attention to a sign. It's me paying attention to something in my life that I need to fix. Um, you know, uh, if more than one person and they don't even know each other is like they've been talking. Uh, so uh, you're the and you're the common denominator. It's obvious, uh, but not obvious to you, but maybe obvious to somebody else, uh, to everybody else that you need to work on something. If more than one person has brought to your attention something that you need to pay attention to, that's a sign. Do you ever, uh, have you ever heard uh, yourself say this? Okay, don't ever bring that up again, right? Have you ever said that to your kids or your family? Okay, don't ever talk to me about this again. Uh, I just want to take that sign uh, off of the road, right? Uh, honey, son, mom, whatever. Uh, whoever you're talking to, I don't want to hear that anymore. I don't want to hear about that anymore. 
or I'm fine. I'm fine. I'll handle it. I'll take care of it. Quit showing me signs. I'm fine. Uh, maybe what do you uh, respond to in that way? You're ignoring the signs. You keep ignoring those signs. You're taking the long way. You're taking the wrong way. You never and you'll never arrive to that destination because you're ignoring what you're doing. Um, it's like driving on the opposite side of the road. If you were to turn on the opposite side of the road, what are some indicators that you're driving on the wrong side of the road? One, you're not in Britain. So the cars are on your side, not uh, they're on the right side, not on your left side. Um, but there are two signs that you always see when you're driving the wrong way on the road. One, the reflectors are what? Red. The reflectors on the way that you're going are going to be red, not white, not yellow. They're going to be red. If you drive past the sign, what is that sign going to say? It's going to say, do not enter wrong way, right? You're driving the wrong way. It doesn't say, hey, there's a turn right here. It doesn't say, hey, Chick-fil-A is the next stop sign. It says you're going the wrong way. And if we ignore those things, we never will reach our destination. Um, the prudent see danger and take refuge, but the simple keep going and they pay the penalty. I'm fine. I know everything I need to know. You're wrong. The simple, the people who uh, don't understand life is connected and today leads to tomorrow and today is going to show up tomorrow. The prudent will always see danger and take refuge. But the simple, the people who ignore those signs, they will always keep going and they will pay the penalty. But you won't be the, the only one who pays because everybody is looking to you, uh, to, you uh, to respond to you. They're looking for you to be responsible, that you're responsible for these things, that depend, there are things that depend on you. They're going to pay as well as you pay um, in the same in, in the same. Uh, penalty. Uh, so pay attention to the signs because those people who you're responsible for, the people who are watching you, they will also pay attention to the signs because while you live your life wise, the people around you will also do what? They will glean your wisdom. They will glean, they will become wise themselves. Last but not least, the fifth and final one this is kind of the heaviest one, but I think it's uh, maybe the most important in terms of getting to where we want to go in life and ultimately getting to where your heavenly father wants you to get in life and get us to lunch and to get me to stop talking because my voice is wearing out pretty fast. Number five, don't carry unnecessary baggage. Don't carry any unnecessary baggage. There is an episode of... Uh, how I Met Your Mother, all about baggage. And uh, if you've watched that show, you like that show, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, but it's talking about dating somebody and seeing their baggage that's stacked up and realizing that you also have baggage. If you carry too much baggage on a trip, it just slowly wears you down. It just weighs you down. So there's always a temptation to overpack on a road trip, right? And on a road, I, I, when I pack my clothes for a trip, I end up taking double the amount of clothes. And the reason why is because you never know when you have to have a clothes change, whatever, you know, outfit change, whatever. No, it's not like that. Uh, it's not like, ooh, I'm going to dinner. I'm having an outfit change. Uh, no, it's just like uh, camp, right? I packed two pairs of clothes for every day at camp because I didn't know if we were going to get muddy, if we were going to get wet, whatever. 
I had an, a backup pair of clothes. But we have a tendency to overpack on a road trip. And on a road trip, it's, a, it's not a big deal. But on the life trip, it may be the biggest deal. Unnecessary baggage. Uh, what happens? Unnecessary baggage. On a life trip, it's a, uh, a bigger ordeal because it will slow you down. It will slow everyone down in your family. And everyone around you who tries to do life with you will also be slowed down. Baggage, and when I say baggage, this is what I mean. There's just that unresolved or partially resolved stuff from the past. Our baggage is the stuff from the past that keeps showing up in the future and keeps showing up in the present and seems to just make things more and more complicated. Actually empowers the past to define our future. So it's something that keeps drawing our eyes to the rearview mirror. It's something that keeps drawing our eyes away from our future and back at our, our past hurts, our past pains. Uh, we deal with this all the time with people in church, uh, people outside of church, people in our family. Uh, you know, we, because we've gone through so much counseling, me and Lindsay, uh, gone through so much counseling training and all of this stuff that um, we constantly, or I do anyway, I constantly think uh, when someone tells me something, I uh, tend to go into diagnose mode and I tend to go, okay, well, where does that come from? You know, like play the the shrink, I guess, from people. Well, where do you think that, you know, Lindsay has gotten mad at me several times in an argument because we'll be having an argument. I'll be like, Lindsay, where is this coming from? Where do you think this is coming from? Do you think this may be from your mom? Uh, Maybe something that has to do with your dad. Uh, and like, I try to get to the root of the issue because I know that I'm not the, I'm not the focus. I'm not actually the focus of the anger. There's something else that is drawing her eyes to be angry. There's something else. There's some type of baggage that is coming in between us communicating right now and vice versa. I'll just say that because I know she's listening. Uh, uh, but our baggage is the stuff that uh, from the past keeps showing up in the future. Actually, it empowers us to the past to define our future. It empowers the past to detour us from our destination of choice. It's the addiction that everyone else around around you has to deal with and carry, right? It's the thing that you are actually imposing on other people to carry for you that you don't know. Um, you think it's just you, but everyone on your trip of life has to accommodate for it. They have to move over. They have to share a seat with it. Uh, so are you carrying any unnecessary baggage? You should take a look. And the reason we should all take a look every once in a while is because we've all been hurt and we've all been betrayed and we've all been left out and we've all been neglected. We've all had these hurts. That's why when Nathan Blouse comes, I don't know if y'all have met Nathan Blouse yet, but um, Nathan Blouse, he is a Christian counselor that we have come in and he will do sessions with people where um, it's a whole thing. I can't really describe to you what it is, but it's like a, an assisted prayer between you uh, and Nathan and God. And it helps clear up so much extra baggage that we have um, because it's stuff that maybe happened to us in high school or stuff that happened to us when we were elementary school that we had no idea. But some teacher yelled at us, some teacher, you know, boxed our ears whenever we did something wrong and it, it scarred us. And we said to ourselves, this will never happen again. And we established a block in our life 
that maybe we never even realized ever happened, but it affects the way that, well, you know, maybe someone gets onto us or someone says, Hey, don't do that. And all of a sudden our brain fires what it felt like when we were a kid and that teacher did that. And all of a sudden we're angry. All of a sudden we're mad. Our husband, you know, your husband or your wife says something to you and you blow up and you're, you're angry, but it's because of this unresolved baggage. It's because of this un, um, unresolved thing that's gone on to our life. And so we have to keep addressing those things. We have to keep going through those things and looking at our life and saying, what in our life is slowing us down? What in our life is holding us back from getting to our destination? So, so there's just something in us. It's like, no, I just have to carry this with me the rest of my life because it was such an integral part of my life. But it's best to unpack it and leave it behind. And the reason you know it's best to unpack it and leave it behind is because you want the people you're doing life with to unpack theirs. You want the other people in your life to address their baggage and move their baggage so that you can have more room in your car so that you don't have to deal with those things. But when it comes to our things, we, because we are telling those other people to unpack their stuff, we also need to be going through our own baggage, clearing out those things. But it's hard to imagine it. It's hard to get a hold of it. The longer you hang on to those things, uh, it sets it will set in to hurt you in the long run. Don't let your past baggage have a space in your life. What baggage? Or uh, we can even uh, give it a name. Don't give bitterness. Don't give resentment. Don't give fear. Don't give anger a toehold, uh, a place in your luggage where you carry it around over and over again. Do you have any toxic baggage that you have been carrying around? I know I do. I have some baggage that. I still haven't unloaded and I still don't know I have maybe some stuff that in my past that I haven't addressed yet because nothing's triggered me uh, into that area, but it's something that I need to deal with when I see it, when I, when I know that it's slowing down. If you're not sure the people closest to you, they know. If you aren't sure about your baggage, ask your wife, husband. If you're not sure about your baggage, wife, Ask your husband. Actually, don't. It might start cause a fight. Uh, but ask your friends. Ask uh, your children. Ask. If, try to find some things that are are uh, that you get angry with or you're mad at or whatever it is. Try to address those things. Um, get rid. Uh, Ephesians four thirty one says this. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger along with every form of malice. And then he tells us how, and it's so simple that it seems simplistic. He says it, uh, I know you, uh, it, it just seems to, it, too simple. It seems to be too good to be true. And he says this in Ephesians 4.32, he says, forgiving each other, just as Christ, God forgave you. All right? Seems simple. That's not very simple. It seems like it is, but it's not. That we don't forgive people uh, that uh, deserve to be forgiven. They may not, but then neither did we. We forgive people because Christ forgave us. We get past our bitterness. We, bitterness, we get past our anger. We get past those things that are holding us back because Christ has called us to do that. Christ has called us to get past it. And if you allow those things into your life, 
they're going to hold you back, whether you believe in Christ or not, they're going to be there. We forgive because we have been forgiven. We cancel other people's debts because God, through Christ, canceled our debt. And here's the trick to all this. See, when you're hurt, when I'm hurt, and it creates a debt or debtor relationship, the hurt, the betrayal, the abandonment, whatever it might be, creates debt. They owe me a childhood. They owe me a first marriage back. They owe me the opportunity to put my kids in bed at night. They owe me an education. They owe me, they owe me, they owe me. And what happens is that their debt becomes your baggage. The things that you perceive as their debt becomes your baggage. And I've been there. We lug it around waiting to be paid back. And while you're lugging it around, uh, waiting to be paid back, the people from our past, they dictate where we're going. Ephesians 4.31 says again, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, along with every form of malice. Close those accounts. It's not fair to forgive. Uh, It's not fair to forgive. It's not fair because they actually owe you. But it's not about fairness. This is not about your freedom. So cancel, I'm sorry, this is about your freedom. So cancel those debts, unpack all of that stuff. Choose to forgive. Choose to always forgive. And Elena, if you could come up real quick. Forgiveness is, I've decided you don't owe me anymore. And who knows, unpack all of that stuff and you might be able to get back with a carry, uh, get by with a carry on. So those are five road rules. And um, Lindsay, if you can put them all up for us, there should be a slide that has all of them on there. So one, don't travel alone. Two, don't pick up strangers. Three, choose a destination and get somebody's map. Four, pay attention to the signs. And five, don't carry unnecessary baggage. You're going to end up somewhere in the season. You're going to end up somewhere in life. And I want you to end up somewhere that you have planned to be, that you have looked forward to, that you have uh, decided, I want to be here on purpose. And um, so follow these rules to the road and perhaps you'll reach your destination on time and on purpose. So let me pray. Father God, I thank you for everything that you've done. I thank you for everything that you're doing for us, God. And every every day, Lord, I pray that we are able to follow these rules and that we're able to uh, focus on you, God, and and forgive those people who we feel have wronged us and, and, and forgive those people that maybe it's not fair, maybe, maybe it feels not fair for us to forgive, God, but I pray that you help us know that those things are holding us back and that we have to overcome them, Lord God. I pray that as we go through this week, as we go through uh, this year, Jesus, I pray that um, we will be able to do things, get places on purpose, get to our destinations on purpose, God. And no matter what season we're going through, the hard season or the easy seasons, God, I pray that we are constantly looking ahead, that we are constantly looking to the future so that we don't have to deal with uh, coming up ignorant and coming up um, broadsided, God, and unaware of the things that are coming. 
Lord Jesus, I pray that we are able to reach into those people that are surround us and reach into the people that are closest to us and see what they what they went through and glean their knowledge and glean their wisdom, Lord God. If there's anybody that we need to weed out of that, God, I pray that you give us the courage to do that. Maybe it's us. Maybe we need to overcome uh, pride, God. I pray that we have the uh, courage to know that we are wrong and to admit that we are wrong and to listen to those around us and listen to the signs, listen to the people that are saying, hey, man, this is what we're seeing. You need to be careful of it. I pray that we are, we are humble enough to listen, that we are uh, not ignorant, God, but that we learn your wisdom and learn wisdom from other people. Jesus, I pray that over our church right now. In Jesus' name, amen.